On last week, I, I talked to you about some things as it relates to parents, past and present, and how family iniquities and inner vows can put us in a position to where we're not walking in obedience to God's word, okay? Uh, and one thing I want to I share with you, until inner vows are broken, they're going to remain the thing that we hold dear to even beyond holding dear to God. Until they are broken, inner vows are our highest priority. And so we got to learn how to break those, okay? Look at the text. It says, children, uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, looking at verse number one. Ephesians chapter six, verse number one. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. Next verse. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you, and you will have long life on the earth. Verse number four, real, real key. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the, with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, again, this comes on the tail end of him having talked about the husband-wife relationship and his plan for marriage. And now we go into the parent-child relationship. And we're unpacking some things that I think are crucial to us as Christians, whether you are a child or an adult, to understand this, this process so that we can be free to obey God. Now, we all are free to obey God, but sometimes there are things in our life, unbeknownst to us, that are hindering us from obeying God like he wants us to obey him. And one of those things we're in about, even when we don't realize it, guys, we are resisting the Lord, we are resisting human authority, and we are resisting basic wisdom because a lot of times we have these inner vows that we've made. Well, I'm not going to ever do that again. I'm not going to let nobody do this here, and I'm not going to do this. And we make those vows, and they'll have us disobeying God's word. That's why Jesus called them evil. Uh, he didn't mean we are evil, but he meant it is an evil thing to reject God's authority and set up our own authority instead. Let me repeat that. He meant it is evil for any believer to reject God's authority and set up his own authority. All of the sin, all of the evil that's committed, committed in the earth realm is done in rejection of God's authority. People just do what they want to do nowadays. Have y'all discovered that? People are saying, I got my truth. How many of y'all have heard that before? And see, the moment you start living by your truth, then you cease to live by God's truth. Can I get a witness up in here? And your truth will never stand. God's truth will stand forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will stand. So, so we got we to get back to living uh, on the foundational truths of God's word. And that comes to with us having a kingdom mindset as it relates to parents, as it relates to children, okay? Uh, Dr. Gene Mims, in his book, Thine is the Kingdom, defined the kingdom of God as the reign of God through Jesus Christ in the life of a believer, and it's evidenced by God working in, through, and around that individual. Listen to that real carefully. He defined the kingdom that, that in his book, that in the kingdom, he defined the kingdom of God as the reign. Everybody say reign. I'm not talking about R-E-I-N. I'm talking about R-E-I-G-N, reign, having rulership. It's the reign of God through Jesus Christ in the life of a believer and is evidenced by God working in, through, and around that individual. Y'all hear me quote Dr. Tony Evans' definition of the kingdom of gender, the kingdom of God is this. It is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of our lives. So in other words, when I look at your life, when I look at how you handle your finances, I should see God's rulership in how you handle your finances. Right? If you are stingy, y'all know what... Let me, let me say it how they say it from the country. If you're stingy. <laughs> if you are a very frugal, stingy person who is not a giver, then that tells me that you are not allowing God to operate in how you handle your finances. Because God, at his very core, at his very core, Sister Yvonne, he is a giver. God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have what? 
everlasting life. God is a giver. So if I am stingy and I don't give when the Holy Spirit tells me to give, then that's indication that the rulership of God is not operating in how I handle my finances. Are y'all listening to me today? If I don't support the work of ministry that the Holy Spirit has led me to be a part of, then that means that God does not have rulership in the area of my finances. Are y'all listening to me today? The visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of my life. Uh, The kingdom of God is the authority and reign of God on earth, guys, and in heaven. Understanding this has given me I would tell you as a pastor, it's given me a better grasp of Jesus' teaching on prayer when he told his disciples to ask that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I understand that a whole lot better. Now, God's will is done to perfection in heaven, and he wants his will to be done here on earth the same way. How? Through complete obedience to his commands. All right. In other words, the kingdom of God is present wherever and whenever his will is done. Let me say it again. The kingdom of God is present wherever and whenever his will is done. This means that you and I experience his kingdom to the degree that we obey his will. Let me say it again. We experience his kingdom to the degree that we obey his will. When God rules and when he reigns in the lives of us as believers, we can then be used to extend his kingdom in the lives of others. And so as we develop a kingdom mindset, everybody say kingdom mindset. We will be obedient to the will of God individually and corporately. All right, so, 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 so think about this for a second. All right, God says, pray Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever God's will is, whatever his word is, amen, uh, 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 gives me the parameters for my kingdom mindset. I can't make it up on my own. I can't do it by myself. I can't do life the way I want. I can't operate in my truth. The word of God has to be the truth by which I operate. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what what people have said. If, If I learn how to trust God's word, and learn how to step out in faith, then I can operate with the kingdom mindset. So as we develop that that kingdom mindset, we'll be obedient to the will of God individually and collectively. Watch this for a second. I'm I'm jumping into this. There are four essential ingredients to any kingdom in order for a kingdom to exist. Number one, there must be a king who rules. I told you that before. Number two, there must be subjects to the king rules. Okay, and then there must be laws or ordinances by which the king rules. And number four, there must be a territory over which a king rules. If you don't have those four things, you don't have a kingdom. All right. Let me repeat that. There must be a king who rules. There must be subjects the king rules over. There must be laws or ordinances by which the king rules. And there must be a territory over which the king rules. When we apply these truths to the kingdom of God, it looks something like this. God is the king. Ever say God is the king. All right. Number two, Christians are the subjects the king rules. If I say Christians, say me, I'm the subject that God rules over. Number three, God's word, the Bible contains the laws and ordinances by which the king rules. So the Bible is going to tell us what the king wants done. Right. And lastly, a Christian's life, your mind, your will, your emotions is the territory over which the king rules. Y'all got that? Your mind, your will, your emotion is the territory over which the king rules. So, so God even explained it to Moses uh, in Exodus 19. Go there right quick. Exodus 19. Come on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Exodus chapter number 19. And let's look at verses 4 through 6. Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6. Glory to God. Are y'all all right today? Let's read together. It says what? You have seen... What I did to the Egyptians, you know how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Watch this. Now, if you will obey me and keep my what? My covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth does what? Say what? All the earth belongs to me. Now, if you obey me, okay, here we go. And you will be my king, you will be my kingdom of priests 
my holy nation. Who is God talking to right now? The nation of Israel. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. That's what he told Moses to tell the people of Israel. You're going to be my, my, my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Now, guys, we are kingdom citizens as born-again believers. We must get to the point to where when it comes to how we deal with our children, how we deal with our parents, that we operate with a kingdom mindset. Everybody say kingdom mindset. But you got to ask yourself the question. And you need to, actually, I, you need to know this, and I need to know this. How, how can I tell, or what question should I ask to determine if I have a kingdom mindset about anything? Number one is, what is my passion? Ask yourself the question, what am I really passionate about? Are you really passionate about the things of God, or do you just tolerate the things of God? In your house, on your job, in the church. Do you just... Do you have a passion for doing things God's way? Number two, what is my purpose? You got to ask yourself the question, what is my purpose? Why am I living here on this earth? What's my purpose? And number three, what motivates me? Why are you here today? Well, Pastor, I'm here because my mama brought me up in church. And, 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 and I said to myself, if I didn't go to church, mama would roll over in her grave. So is that why you come to church, because your mama brought you to church? Or are you motivated by something else? Are you motivated by a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ, that is so passionate and so driven that you can't help but not forsaking the assembly yourself together? Because you know that's what God's Word says, okay? So we, when we look at that, we got to ask the question, what's my passion? What's my purpose and what, what motivates me? And as you answer those questions, it's going to tell you whether or not you have a kingdom mindset. Because God is seeking a people who will embody his name, who will embrace his mission, and who will obey his word. I got to repeat that. God, everybody say God, God. is looking for a people who will embody his name, embrace his mission, and obey his word even as it relates to how we rear our children, even as it relates to how we relate to our adult parents. Now look back at your outline. Uh, on, on, on that back page of there, we talked about the fact that there's some, some, some principles for parent and adult child relationship. Because here's what I've understood. There are a lot of parents who don't know how to rear their children properly because they haven't properly related to their adult parent. You, you, you're an adult, but because you got some wounds from your childhood that you never dealt with, it causes you not to be in proper order and operating in your parenthood as it relates to the kingdom of God and his way of doing things. Okay? Are y'all with me today? So we said, number one, uh, the principle of honor needs to be observed. Okay? The principle of honor. Go back to Ephesians two, 6 and 2. This, this starts out when we're young, and it should continue into old age. Ephesians 6, verse number 2. Ephesians 6, verse number 2. The text says this. Honor your what? This is what? The first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will do what? Go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. This is the first commandment with promise. But it says, honor your father and mother. Now, I told you <laughs> on last week uh, that that our parents have authority over us when we're growing up, but when we're grown, their authority ends. Are y'all listening to me today? And you no longer have to obey them, but you do have to honor them. Let me say it again, okay? And some of y'all miss this because sometimes it causes conflict in your marital relationship because you hadn't understood that your mama don't still, doesn't still have rulership over you. You honor her, you honor daddy, but you don't obey daddy when you're grown. Now, when you're young, yes, but once you get released from the authority, then now you honor them, but you don't no longer obey them. Be careful. Listen, when it comes to this principle of honor, sometimes it messes up marital relationships. That's why I want to share this with you, okay? Be careful how you talk about your parents and in-laws and how you talk to them. Okay, be be positive and be honoring, even as you are setting healthy boundaries 
and uh, having to deal with some difficult circumstances sometimes. Because sometimes mama and daddy uh, still think that you're the five-year-old, right? Sometimes mom and daddy still think that, that if they tell you to do something about going, you better do it. Well, daddy, no, no, listen, I'm, I'm no longer under your, 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 your authority. I respect you. I honor you. If you give me wisdom, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that wisdom. But you can't come into my house and tell me what to do. All right? Now, thank God that my dad doesn't do that. Some of y'all got daddies that do that. I thank God that my mama doesn't attempt to do that. Some of y'all may have mamas who do. But in the 37 years that Marrera and I have been married, neither her mother nor my mom or dad have sought to interject themselves into our family relationship as it relates to our marriage. Am I right about it? And I thank God for that. Amen? And if they tried, we would just lovingly tell them, now, okay, we love you. But that's really not your business, okay? And I'll tell you what, even as an adult parent uh, uh, um, now, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm an adult parent, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I thank God that we, we, we understand those boundaries, right? We don't jump in the middle of, of Tunyon's, Eddie's married. That's the only one that's married now, okay? Uh, so, but, but when they invite us in for advice, we come and we give advice. Amen? Are y'all with me today? So, so honor them in their old age, the principle of honor your parents in their old age, that means caring for them and helping them financially if need be. Let me repeat that. Honor them in their old age, that means caring for them and helping them financially if need be. Everybody say, if need be. I want to share something with you. Go to Mark the seventh chapter. And I, I hope I can get through this, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to get through this. And, uh, but I, I need to share this with you. As it relates to uh, this particular part about honoring them, even when it means financially supporting them, go to Mark, the seventh chapter, all right? And uh, let's look at verse number 11. Mark, chapter 7, verse number 11. I'm going to do my best to, to, to get through here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I need to back up. I like, I like reading scripture. Go, go to verse number one with me, Brother Jay. Thank you. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Watch this. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient tradition. Everybody say tradition. This was not God's word, but it was tradition that they had. That they did, and this this had nothing to do with personal hygiene. But there was a ceremonial washes, a little thing that they went through, a ceremony before they ever ate. Okay, but watch this. It says the Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Because when they went to the marketplace, they, uh, but, you know, in case they ran into a Gentile or, God forbid, a Samaritan, they felt they were unclean. And so they went back home with the stuff in the market. They had to make sure they went through this, quote, ceremonial washing. Now, this was tradition. It wasn't God's word, but they added it to God's. Uh, they added to the things to burden the people with. Are y'all with me today? But watch what Jesus said. Let me tell you something. Jesus has always been, since he came, was birthed in this earth realm, has been a tradition breaker. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, your, your traditions have made the word of God a non-effect. You can be so strong in tradition that you will disobey God because your tradition means more to you than God's word means to you. But look at what Jesus does. Watch this, watch this. Can, can, can y'all walk with me today? Jesus replied. Now, here they are. They, they're already a little bit mad because Jesus had, had, had dusted some of them other fellows and, you know, had, had just discombobulated them with his awesome wisdom from high. And so they come in trying to trap Jesus with something. Jesus replied, you hypocrite. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips 
but their hearts are what? Are far from me. They, their worship is a what? A farce, for they teach man-made ideas as what? All right, now watch this. Let, 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 let me park here for a second. A lot of times we can, we, can, we can allow our way of doing things to become a God, or we call it a command. And it's something that we added, but it's not necessarily in God's word. And, and you can get so hung up on tradition that tradition will cause you to rebuff the revealed word of God. Can y'all stay with me? Now watch this, watch this. And that's all kind of things that we do uh, in the church. And, 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 and not that it's wrong in and of itself, but it is wrong when it prevents you from following God. Amen? I thought about these young, these young people uh, that were here at VBS at the altar, praising God, lifting hands, dancing to the Lord. To some old, some old fuddy-duddy, they were like, them children need to sit down, them meddling kids, get away from that altar. See, what you got to realize is that this place up here, when you come to the altar, is symbolic of coming to the presence of God. But, but, but there, is, there is no holiness in the platform itself. Can I, can I break a little tradition here? All right. Uh, there are some churches, and again, I don't, I don't knock them, but I'm just telling you that, that, that we, we, we do stuff that, that sometimes we don't realize that we, we've made it a, a, sort of like an idol God. There are some people who, who won't let a woman speak on Sunday morning from a platform. That's a denomination right now who just kicks some folks out the church because they, they, they let a woman speak on Sunday morning from the platform. Well, the platform or the pulpit, whatever you want to call it, it's, pulpit is mentioned one time in the Bible. It's a raised platform where someone goes up to speak to project their voice so that everybody can hear. There ain't no holiness in the, in the pulpit itself because you know, like I know, there's some folks in the pulpit who live like hell. But it's okay, because he's a man up here. No, 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 baby. Holiness is it what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. Can I help somebody here? So if we have praise, if we have our praise team singing, so everybody can see him or praise dance dancing, we want them to be able to sing. So it's an elevated platform, okay? But in some church tradition, no, 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 you can't direct him up there, choir director, get down on the floor. What? Now, if that's what you do, that's cool, but you can't make that God's law because it's not. That's your tradition. I ain't knocking you, and if I come there, I'm going to follow your tradition so that I won't offend you, but don't come up in here and try to get us to change when we're moving with God here. Can I get a witness? All right, let's keep moving. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Watch this. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Watch this. Here we go. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own what? Your own tradition. Verse number 10. Let's read together. Ready? Read. For, for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespect of father and mother must be what? Put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. Now, what he's referencing here is something that's called a Corbain vow, C-O-R-B-A-N. The Corbain vow was, was a vow that, that, they, that they made that they would give certain amount of money for, uh, to, the, to the temple uh, as, 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 as a sign of their commitment and obedience to God. So what some of them were doing was they were lying about them giving the Corbain vow. When they were supposed to be helping their parents, they would say, well, I made a Corbain vow, so I can't help you this month, Mom. When in actuality, they never even gave any money. They lied about it. And so Jesus now calls them on the carpet for, for not supporting their parents and, and pretending like they're giving a Corbain vow. Watch this. But, but this I say, uh, but, but, but you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. Next verse. Let's read. In this way, you let them disregard. Now, he's talking to the Pharisees, right? Look at verse 13. And so you cancel the word of God 
in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many. He could have called them out about a lot of different stuff. Just like I could call us out, when I say us, the people of God, Christians, about a lot of different stuff. Traditions, amen, have called some churches somebody who's needful and wants to come be a part, but they don't have the proper dress. All right? They don't don't have a dress. All they got is pants, but you can't come up here with pants on. As a matter of fact, I got jeans on. And I got a shirt on. And I'm hot. And I gl- I'm glad I don't have a three-piece suit on. But a three-piece suit doesn't make me holy. Amen. You wearing a dress don't make you holy. Jesus is going to say something. Can I keep moving? Oh, God, my time is going. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example. What? Among among many others. Verse 14, let's read. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear all of you listen and try to understand. He says, it's not what goes in your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went to a house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Look at what he said. Don't you understand either? Are y'all dumb too? That's that's my interpretation. Y'all walking with me and y'all dumb too? Look at what he says. That's doorology, okay? You you do not have to take my interpretation of that, but that's what I hear here. Don't you understand either? He asked, can't you see that the food you put into your body can't defile you? All y'all who who think your holiness is, is, is predicated on what you eat? All of you all who don't understand dispensation and still trying to hold on to old covenant uh, uh, rituals and old covenant laws that, that have been done away with, can't you see the food you put in your body can't defile you? Next verse. Let's go, guys. Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through your stomach and then goes into the sewer. Praise God. By saying this, watch this, by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Next verse, let's go, come on. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you, that makes you unclean, that messes you up. It's what's coming from your heart. Look at the next verse, let's go, guys. Watch this. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, what else? Adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and what? And foolishness. Next verse says what? All these vile things come from within. They are what? Defile you. So I told you before, quit telling people to follow your heart. All that junk is in your heart. The stuff I just read is in your heart. And we got to make sure that we allow God's word to have its preeminent place. The word of God has the ability to cut stuff out of us. So Jesus, Jesus was telling them, hey, listen, your traditions have made the word of God an effect. So y'all supposed to be support, helping your parents, but you're trying to go do a runaround and not honor them by helping them in their old age. All right. So are y'all still with me today? So, so the principle of honor. Number two, the principle of separation. Talking about parent-adult-child relationship, a couple needs time together away from their parents in order to bond with each other. Therefore, Genesis 2 and 24 says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to the wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. All right. When parents intrude and demand too much of a couple's time, it's unhealthy and can lead to serious problems in the relationship. Are y'all listening to me today? Talking about principle of separation. What is the characteristic? Let me, let me give you this is not on the outline, but what, the, some characteristics of a problem in-law. All right, so if you are an in-law, figure out if you're a problem, okay? All right, can, can y'all listen to me, okay? I'm trying to help somebody up here. I'm trying to help all of us in here. What, the characteristics of a problem in-law, what, number one is they lack bonding with their spouse. All right, in other words, they don't get the proper f- fulfillment from their marriage. 
so they're looking for fulfillment somewhere else. They lack bonding with their spouse. They don't get that proper fulfillment from their own marriage. Secondly, they lack significance in other areas of their lives. In other words, they poured themselves into their children and didn't develop other interests. Now listen, I thank God for my children. I thank God for my last one, my son. Uh, when he left, it, hurt, it hit a little different. I love Sandra, and Sandra has her own place. I love Tanya. She and Eddie have their own place. And when Sandra moved out, at first I was like, well, baby, just stay here and, and just, uh, you know, just save up your money and, and, and build your nest egg up. But after a while, you know, when you're grown and she got her way of doing things, and, 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 and after a while I was like, well, just go, just go and move out. It's okay, baby. Now, now, I love her. So, Sandra, you, if you listen to this, wherever you are, don't get mad. I love you, baby. And, and if you have to, come back. If you have to now. You always got a place you can come back to. But it's good when she got her own place. Are y'all with me? All right, but when my son left, by the way, he got his, his, his employee back. He, get his, he got his paycheck. I told you that, right? And so he's, he's, he's moving along. He's going to be flying sometime in September. But, but it hit a little different. It, it, it hit me a little different. And I don't know how it hit her, but it hit me a little different. Because I don't know if it's because he's the only son or whatever, but it hit different. And you almost want to say, okay, come on, just, can you find something here? Because he helped us in ministry. Uh, he, he, was, he was involved with drumming and, and sound. And so, so it hit a little different. But in, in the broad scope of thing, I understand that in order for him to grow and develop, that's got to be some separation. Can't get away. He can't be a man, Terry, staying in my house. Or our house. Can I bring it back? In our house, Danny. He can't fully understand what adulthood and what, what, what manhood is all about if I'm taking care of him and he's 45. And this has never been a problem because he wants to do it. He was looking to get gainful employment. Amen. I thank God for that. But it did hit a little different. But as a parent, I have to let go. So another problem, characteristic of a problem in law is they gain excessive identity and security through their children and their grandchildren. Listen to me carefully parent, when you got an adult child and they have children uh, or, or if they don't have children your identity should not be shaped through your children children are brought into this earth realm for us to, to nurture and develop and teach them a kingdom mindset and hopefully they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior but ultimately every child that comes into your house should one day leave your house All right, now listen, now listen, don't get offended if you're still standing at home and mom. I'm just teaching you what the pattern is. It's, it's okay when it's a temporary thing. You need to have a plan, though. Okay, I, I, I'm all for helping our adult children, but you need to have a plan. Your plan can't be, well, you know, I'm just chilling, man. You know, what's up, dude, man? I'm just chilling at the house. No, no, no. <laughs> chilling at the house. That's your mama's house. That's your daddy's house. You got to have a plan. Okay, you fell on hard time, but what's your plan? Let's sit down. What's the time frame? Okay, nine months. I'll give you nine months. So you can save for nine months, and they got an apartment. I already checked it out. <laughs> I know the deposit. As a matter of fact, I'll help you with the deposit. But you got to go. The principle of separation. They become a, a problem in-law becomes intrusive and even adversarial because they're seeking the attention and the affection of their child, their grandchild. And many times they, they accuse and they build suspicion in order to gain positions. So you got to be careful about that. Uh, the, the becoming intrusive and becoming adversarial. So how do you handle a problem in law? Number one, you, you need to lovingly and respectfully put boundaries on your time together. I'm not saying it's wrong to spend time. God knows you should. But there need to be some boundaries. 
on your time and your, uh, with, 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 with mom, dad, and your time with your family. Amen? No, number two, I said lovingly and respectfully put boundaries on your time together. Number two, don't respond to manipulation or threats. I told you last week about the manip- manipulation and threat, right? Like, you remember Fred Sanford? Oh, I'm going to join you, Elizabeth. Every time he was trying to get Lamont to do something that he wanted done, he faked a heart attack. All right? For y'all, some of y'all, I'm like, who is Fred Sanford? Go back. One of the greatest comedic shows of all time. All right? But, 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 but don't respond to manipulation or threats. Okay? Uh, number three, don't allow them to control your life. Now, if you're an adult parent here, listen to me carefully. As much as you want to try to keep them from bumping their big head, sometimes you got to get out of the way and let them bump that big head or they'll never learn the lessons of life. Our soul? Our soul. Okay, all right. You got to get out of the way. Don't, don't allow them to control life. And, and, and number four, encourage them to develop other interests and other friendships. Listen to me carefully. Trying to fill the void of an empty life for your parents will break you, but it won't ever fix them. Because if, when there's a void there that has not been cultivated, that can only be filled by an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, it, that, that, that will never, it won't work. Amen? Are y'all with me today? So, 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 so do that. So, number, number three, the principle of protection. All right? We're talking about adult children and parents. And I, I, I got a little bit of time left. We've got, we've got to jump into this sixth chapter, right? If your parents become, the principle of protection, if your parents become intrusive in your marriage, you are responsible for protecting your spouse from that intrusion. Either one on either side, Okay. Either one on either side, protected. Now, again, listen, hear me carefully. I know that there's all kinds of drama that sometimes takes place in the life of of people who are trying to get to know each other and learn how to do marriage God's way. That's why I always tell you, learn how to do marriage God's way. Sign up for marriage retreat. Sign up for marriage seminars. Get you a book on marriage God's way. And stop trying to do this stuff based off what you've seen. Because what you saw was very dysfunctional. I love my mom and daddy, but my mom and daddy was, was... it was, it was, they, 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 were, they were great providers, but there was dysfunctionality in, in how they related to one another and even to us. Are y'all with me? So, so some of y'all, why would you say that, Pastor? You're embarrassing them. I'm not embarrassing them. I'm telling you the truth. And if you tell the truth, there's, been some, there's a level of dysfunctionality in your relationship that's affected your children. And you keep wondering why. But if we learn... If we start today doing it God's way, we can help them. Amen? Amen. All right, so, so, uh, so you know, you gotta, you gotta, you're responsible for protecting your spouse from, from your parents, okay? Because if, if, if they try to do it themselves, this will be enemy number one. So, uh, wife, you know your mama bossy. Husband. You know your daddy bossy. All right, so you, you, you got to be the one to say, now, Dad, listen, Dad, I, man, Dad man, 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 you my ace boom coon. Uh, man, I love you. But you, you, know, you, you, you can't keep giving uh, you know, money like that, and, and, and we're trying to do something, but when you keep giving the money uh, to, our, to our child, and now he, had, he hadn't learned the principles of financial management because every time he messes his money up, he come to you. I'm trying to teach him how to be fiscally responsible, but every time I try to do it, you jump in. As a matter of fact, you jumping in God's way. God is trying to teach him something, but you, you won't let the, the results of their transgression hit them. You jump in and you save them. And because you keep jumping in and giving them money, you're encouraging fiscal irresponsibility. He ain't going to ever learn how to budget and manage if all you got to do is call grandpa. And I know some of y'all got Pawpaws to be here. I love Pawpaw because Pawpaw keeps slipping you that hundred. <laughs> but you, but you, 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 got, you got to be willing to go and say, listen, Dad, listen, I know you're trying to be helpful, but this ain't helping. All right? Can y'all talk to your parents like that? If you can't, you need to learn how to. All right? 
Because, you know, you, you still there pulling your hair out because you hadn't had a conversation, okay? Don't allow your parents to talk negatively about your spouse. All right, all right. What they may be, that, that may be an element of truth in what they're saying, but you can't, it, it's going to cause discord in your relationship. Are y'all with me? It's going it's to cause you to be out of whack. All right? So, so don't allow your parents to talk negatively about your spouse. Don't talk badly about your spouse to your parents. Now, see, here, here you go. You over there telling mom and dad all this stuff, and, and, and you, you mom and dad is blood, and, 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 and blood is a little thicker than water. And so y'all kissed and made up. Y'all done went on a cruise, had a honeymoon, made love 15,000 times, since, had good makeup sex, and your mama's still thinking about what you told her about him. Can I talk to y'all this way? Can I preach it plainly? You, you, y'all over it, y'all Google eyed, but I told y'all at Sunday dinner, dad up there doing this here, got his fork and his knife doing this. He still remember what you said, boy, about his daughter because his daughter came and complained. I'm not saying that, let me, let me say this, put it this way. In rare cases, uh, you, you, you have an objective parent group who can, who can be neutral, who can give advice and not let it affect how they treat the, the, the in-law. In rare cases. Rare cases. Now, it, it can be done. Because I like to think that we do that. All right? Um, and, and, and the truth, the proof is in the pudding. Go ask Tanya. Go ask Eddie. Do we, do we jump in the middle of their stuff? Uninvited. We don't. Okay? Uh, and, and it helps them and it helps us. Okay? Because maybe if we knew every detail, we may be looking side-eyed. <laughs> All right? So, so don't, don't talk badly about your spouse or your parents. And again, there are some sections, but in most cases, don't let your parents be your marriage counselors. Because again, after you've forgiven your spouse, sometimes they have a tendency to remember. So the principle of first friendship, trust your parents as you would special friends. If your parents cross the lines of controlling your life, or not honoring your value system, speak up like you would to a close friend. Okay? Go back to Ephesians 6. I got to get out of here. So the principle of friendship. Be friends with your mom and dad. Talk with them. Okay? Everybody still with me? Am I helping anybody? Okay? Uh, So, get back to Ephesians 6. Look at 1 through 3 again. And please remember what Jesus said, because sometimes we do stuff out of tradition when it comes to our families and when it comes to the church. I'm telling you, you know, a lot of traditions block the word of God from going forth or or stifles the creativity that the Holy Spirit will bring into the life of a ministry to help it reach a generation that's different than the generation that you came up in. Are y'all with me? The generation that many of us came up in it was, it was commonplace for people to go to church. It was commonplace for people to be, faith was a part of, their, uh, of the society as a whole, but now we live in a different era. And so we got we to gotta make sure that, that, that the message doesn't change, but by God, the method in which we reach this generation has to change if we're going to be affected. Don't let your tradition be your God. And that's from everything to style of music, to how we do VBS, to how we do marriage, to how we uh, do missions and outreach. One of the things I've been telling y'all is that Jesus, when you look at him and his disciples, it was all about reaching people. It wasn't about coming to, as a matter of fact, Jesus would go to the temple. He would go to the temple to, to have discussion and debate with some of these Pharisees. But their ministry was done by and large outside the temple. So when's the last time you shared with somebody? When's the last time you served somebody in your community? When's the last time you, 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 you said, okay, 
Pastor, I'll be there. Or, or Pastor, listen, uh, I'm connected with this group and we're doing this. Hey, uh, can, can we get a couple of brothers to come help us do this? Uh, uh, and not just serving, but, but, but becoming disciple ones, discipline ones, such that my mindset is kingdom in nature and I do what I do because I'm operating on the principle of God's word. I'm not operating based on my cultural upbringing. I'm not operating on my denominational affiliation. I am operating based on the word of God. So tradition, Some, y'all grew up in tradition where the Holy Spirit was not talked about. We talk about the Holy Spirit here because the gifts of the Spirit are, are still available today. We are a charismatic church, which means that we are, we, we, the charisma, the, 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 the move of the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place in divine order. Okay, so, so we don't, what, what I'm trying to tell you is that as a church, we're going to allow God to do what he wants to do. And we're not going to allow tradition to stop the word of God from moving and impacting folks' lives. So, so watch, watch. Watch this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Um, you know, wives are told to submit in the end of the fifth chapter, but children are told to obey. Submission demands knowledge but children don't know enough to submit. So they are commanded to obey their parents. Are y'all with me? See, true submission can't take place unless you have a knowledge of God's word and what his, what his will is, is for your life. When you, when you submit, that means you, you, you voluntarily yield to the authority of another. That's all it means. Doesn't mean that you're any less. As a matter of fact, you're equal uh, uh, as it relates to value. Doesn't mean that you're any less. It just means that, that for, for responsibility purposes, God says, uh, husband, father, I'm, I'm placing you in, 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 in a position of responsibility. So if things aren't going right in your family, you can't blame your wife. Hello, amen. Because if, if the bank blows up and loses $50 million a year, they're going to fire the president of that bank because he's responsible. All right? So, so under, understanding with children will come through maturity. The obligation is on the parent to properly train up the child. You say, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Look at the next verse. Let's read it. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. A promise is attached to it. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Okay? Uh, so understanding will come through maturity. The obligation is on the parent to properly train up the child. Would y'all agree? Children may not understand the decisions the parents make, but they are to honor their parents. Every child in here, everybody here who's living with your mom and dad, lift your hands. Raise your hand right quick, if you will. Okay, we got, we got some of y'all in here. All right, we got some. All right. All right. So, listen, you may not fully understand everything that mom and dad tells you, but honor them and respect them enough to do what they ask you to do. Amen? Y'all with me? I promise you the, the, the climate and the environment will be much better when you do so. I'm talking about young children now, okay? Y'all with me? It'll be much better when you do so. I promise you it will. You following me? Yeah, there we go, there we go. All right, it'll be much better. Watch this. Rebellion against parents is actually rebellion against authority. And rebellion against authority is rebellion against the Lord. Let me take it a step further. Rebellion against pastoral leadership is rebellion against authority. And rebellion against authority is rebellion against the Lord. The Bible, is say, Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let me take this step further because we're going to talk about this next week. Rebellion against your supervisory authority in your place of employment is rebellion against authority. And rebellion against authority, even in your workplace, is rebellion against God. Well, I just don't like the way they're doing it. They ain't paying you to try to do it. When you get in that position, you can decide how you're going to do it. But with a Christian with a kingdom mindset, when you reject the authority at your place of employment, you are rejecting God. 
but Pastor, you don't understand who I work for. I don't care who you work for. If they're not telling you to do something that's illegal or immoral, you're responsible for carrying it out. And if you can't carry it out, you'd be best served to find another place to work so that you can be in line with God's will for your life. Okay? Now, that may be a little tough for some of y'all because some of y'all keep jumping from job to job because you hadn't understood what authority means. You don't have a kingdom mindset. So you jump every time something ain't right. How is it that on all eight jobs, nobody wasn't right but you? Help me understand that eight jobs and that every place you went to, well, none of those folks right. I would challenge you to start looking at yourself. Because when you learn how to work heartily as unto the Lord, when you learn how to add value to what you're doing as an employee, let me tell you something, a smart manager understands the value of a good employee. A smart manager, a smart owner understands that I better take care of that guy because that guy makes me money. Hello? But some of y'all give people pure Hades in your place of employment when you as a Christian should be the one who set an example. You may not agree with everything, but you're under their authority, right? But rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So whenever I operate in, in rebellion, when, it, when I was when I object, when I transgress or go against the authority that I am rightfully under, God looks at that as sin. Okay. Okay. When you rebel against authority, even in the church, it is sin. Okay. Amen. Amen. Say it again. Now, I could give you countless numbers of scripture on that, but my time is about out, so I don't have time to do it today. But I promise you, we're going to talk about the work environment next week because it's in the book of Ephesians. All right? God established the principle of authority for us to respect the ones over us. We may not agree with them, but we are to respect them. Children may not agree with their parents, but they are to respect, admire, and obey them. Lastly, Ephesians 6 and 4, the important role of fatherhood. So children, how many of y'all agree with everything your parents did when they were growing up? No, you didn't. Uh, but most of us who are my age or above or a little bit younger uh, didn't agree with everything, but we respected them enough to, to do what we were asked. Most of the time. Most of the time. And if we didn't do it, we were, we, we were sneaky and didn't do it. It wasn't like we were out there all in the open. All right? But again, this is important because if we don't get the structure, we don't get uh, the kingdom mindset because what I tell you, the king rules over his, his subject and the king's word gives us our direction for life. Okay? So whether it's pastoral authority, whether it's uh, the, your ministry authority that you're under, we have an obligation to do it with, with, with joy and not with grief. Listen, listen, you can do something for the Lord and have the wrong attitude and run people away. You got the job done, but nobody else wants to work anymore because you, you scarred them. We got to be careful how we talk to people. Speak the truth in love. Have a, conge- a congenial, a, 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 you can have an authoritative voice, but also have a friendly voice. You can actually have, I always ask them to do stuff. I could just say, go do that. I'll say, will you do that for me, please? Every time. And when they do it, what I tell them, thank you. Now I know they're getting paid, right? Tell them I'm a full-time staff. They're getting paid, but... But you, you honor people. And when you do that, when you treat people right, then they, they add value to what you're trying to accomplish. But we, we got to make sure that we do stuff in a God-honoring way. And don't get into your little feelings. I said, don't get into your little feelings. I said, don't get into your little feelings. 
Hello? And now you're all on your feet, and now you want to quit the church because things didn't go the way you wanted. Listen, baby, let me tell you something. If, 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 if I was that way, I would, have been, I would have left Pastor Hill a long time ago. All right? But I love you enough to speak the truth to you, and I love you enough to walk with you when, you, when your mind ain't right. Because sometimes your mind is not right. And pray, God, if my mind not right, you tell me, somebody else tell me. But, but I, I'm going I'm, to, I promise you, I'm going to stick to the word of God. And if I ask you to do something, I'm going to show you in the book. So it's not Doyle Adams telling you, it's the word of God telling you. So now you got to decide, do you believe this or not? When it comes to your children, we owe it to them to do it God's way. And there's a lot of scripture on discipline that I had to show you. And some people are of the mindset that if somebody does something wrong when it comes to discipline the kids, that means that nobody can discipline kids any longer. I don't believe that. See, I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got to learn how to do discipline the right way, in a loving way. God established the principle of authority for us to respect the ones over us. Again, we may not agree with them, but we ought to respect them. Children may not agree with the parents, but they ought to respect them, to admire them. Look at what he says here in, in Ephesians 6 and 4, and I got to stop. Let's read. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Fathers, let me tell you something. You hold a very critical and important uh, part of the upbringing of that child. There's a reason why he said that he wrote this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. That was something uh, they had during Roman society. Um, uh, I, I forget the, the Greek name for it, but basically it, it, was a, it was a mindset that the father had supreme authority. And even with, if that child was born, and if it was a girl, he had the authority to say, we don't want to take her away. He had supreme authority even under Roman uh, society where even that child into adulthood was responsible for obeying what the daddy said. So, so the father in this culture had, had, had total control, but interject God's word into this thing. And he says, his fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. I can't tell you the number of adults who are broken right now because they got father wounds. Father wounds from childhood that they never got delivered from. And now it's affecting how they do life, even as a 45, 56 year old, 70 year old. Dads, we hold a very key part in the upbringing of our children. Don't provoke them to anger by the way you treat them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So I believe in proper discipline the right way. I don't believe in child abuse, but you can discipline without abusing somebody. Hello? So don't, don't throw everything out because you had some knucklehead who did something wrong. Stick with the word of God and learn how to lovingly discipline your child. When your children are disciplined, they should be told what they did wrong before they are disciplined. And what the word of God teaches about discipline afterwards. Can I give you, can I give you some scriptures right quick? Brother Jay, I, I know I'm going to have you run just for a little bit. But Proverbs the 13, chapter, verse number 20, I'm going to get the word of God in, in your mind. Proverbs 13 and 24. And then I'm going to go to Proverbs 19 and 18. And then Proverbs 22 and 15. And then 23, 13 to 14. I, I may have just confused you. Proverbs 13 and 24. I'm going to get there myself. Okay, can we, can we look at this? So loving discipline. I need to tell my child what they did wrong first. Quit going in there hollering, screaming, fussing, and cussing. Yes, cussing, C-U-S-S-I-N-G. That's the colloquial southern way of talking. I didn't say cursing, I said cussing. You are a Christian, your mouth should not be foul. You're a foul-mouthed Christian, you need to stop it. I'm talking to y'all up in here. And you're online. You're a foul-mouthed Christian. It's a poor testimony. Stop it. There's enough words in Webster's Dictionary where you should be able to, if you're intelligent, you should be able to articulate those words without having to say, 
can't stand it. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. You ought to be more intelligent than that. That's for somebody. I don't know who it is. I remember that song. It wasn't much to that song. Was it? There it is. It don't take much to make a song to. Ain't gonna hurt nobody. Wasn't much to it. All right. <laughs> Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, there's a way to do. Listen, there's a way to do that without entering into physical abuse. Physical abuse is not God's will. But children need to be disciplined. Some will hear you and make a course correction. Some will hear you and look at you. You talking to me, mama? I ain't going to do that. That's basically what they're saying when they look, okay? Watch this, Proverbs 19 to 18. Come on, let's go. I know I'm a little long, but y'all excuse me today. Proverbs 19. Discipline your child while there is hope. Otherwise, you'll ruin their lives. Some of y'all children, the way they are is a duck because it's your fault. You didn't properly discipline you let them get away with everything. You didn't lovingly teach them the things of God. Look at the next one. Watch this. Uh, 22 and 15. Thank you. Thank you. 22 and 15. Let me get there. Hallelujah. So fathers, this is your responsibility. Fathers. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Didn't make it up, that's what it said. Now, now, when you're listening to me, now listen, we're talking about kingdom mindset. We're talking about as a Christian, and it bothers my mind the people who write books about raising children, they never ever raise a child. I personally think it's hard for you to really understand until you had to deal with a disobedient child. Now listen, the, the way to do it is God's way. I am not saying abuse a child. And because somebody abused a child doesn't mean that discipline can't be properly done. So we're going to do it the right way. But I'm just, the, either the word of God is true or it's not. Properly understood. Properly rightly divided. 23, verse 13 through 14. Let's look at Proverbs 23, verse 13 through 14. The wisdom book. 13 through 14. Watch what it says here. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Uh, verse, yeah, uh, 13, is that 13? 14. Physical discipline may well save them from death. When we learn how to do it the right way. Proverbs 29 and 15. Proverbs 29, 15 and 17. And I got to stop. This parent-child relationship thing is very crucial. And we got to do it the right way. We got to do it in a God honoring way. Teaching your children. Stop yelling so much. It, 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 I hate when I see a parent out in public yelling at their child. That tells me you hadn't done what you need to do at home. And you're trying to show people that you're tough in public, but you didn't really do it at home. Teach them, talk to them, share with them the right way. Help them understand the consequences of their action. To discipline a child produces wisdom. But the mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Is that right? Let's look at uh, 16 through 17, just for good measure. 16 says this. When the wicked are in authority, sin flourishes. That is true. But the godly will live to see their downfall. Y'all quit worrying about all this stuff that's going on politically. Just, if you walk in kingdom authority, I don't care what the Supreme Court does. If you walk in kingdom authority, why are you worried about that in hell? Ain't no law going to ever give. God is the one who made a way for me. Now, I understand laws. I'm saying we need to have laws, but don't get discouraged because the law changes. You got to be a man or woman of faith. Everything that we do should be a faith. The, the children of Israel were delivered out of slavery in Egypt and became God's chosen people. They, it's a faith journey. 
And the moment you start trusting in the law rather than trusting in your God, you got a false God. Yeah. I'm not saying don't be involved, but what I'm saying is, is that who's your trust in? Why are you despondent now? Man do some stuff good, man do stuff that's not so good. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. And they, I, I promise you they will. As they grow into adulthood, they'll make your heart glad. Guys, my time is up. I thank you for yours. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.